last week we were looking at a very important topic, a chosen generation, what that meant. Turn with me again to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Before we go into what it means to be kings and priests, we need to understand what this word chosen means. It's one of the, 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 the words in the scripture that has made so much impact on my life. The word chosen. So we go back there this morning to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, its own special or peculiar people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, verse 10, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Last week we looked at how the idea of being chosen came to play. We were made to understand from the teaching last week that when God chooses a people, he has chosen them for a strategic reason. Because the word chosen means specially selected. is to be specially selected for a strategic reason. That's what we said last week. And we said, God's program will always start with a man. Because when God finds a man, in the man, God is looking at a people. And from the people, God can make a nation. And from a nation, God's heart is over all the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. God's eye is always on the world, but God will always start his program with finding a man, choosing a man. And we cited the example of Abraham. Hallelujah. And we link that up with Jesus, as we went on. And I personally believe that God has found you. Amen. God has chosen you. And amen. To be part of his own chosen people for a strategic reason at this time. Fact, this truth is becoming clearer more than ever before. And I want you to take it to her that God has chosen you. You belong to a chosen generation. That is a, a, a lineage of chosen people. 
in Christ Jesus. As we saw from Ephesians, that we were chosen in him, in Christ. But just the way God saw you in Christ, God also wants, God is also seeing other people in you. Hallelujah. God has his eyes in other people. And I can assure you, many, many of who are still out there, God's eyes are on them. To integrate them into this chosen generation of people. But you then have to understand, you know, the reason, the strategic reason why God has chosen you. Because in you, God is seeing a people. Hallelujah. Whether you are a boy, you are a girl. There is something God has seen inside of you. And he has strategically handpicked you. Amen. Amen. And this morning, within the time that we have, we'll be looking at the topic chosen for a purpose. Chosen for a purpose. Chosen for a purpose. It's just an extension of where we were last week. And I will be looking at that word purpose very closely this morning, as quickly as I can. We may not have the time to read all the scriptures, all the passages, but at least something that will help you and I to discover that purpose the more, to understand that purpose the more. I know some of us already have ideas as to what it is God has chosen us for. But there are several of us, perhaps the larger percentage of the church of God today, don't understand exactly what that purpose is. But I'm praying that you will understand and you apply yourself to the purpose of God. So that through you, God will have a people. Amen. And through the people, God will have nations. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But let's first of all look at this again, because this is a scripture we'll have read last week. But because we didn't have the time to read it, I want us to read this scripture together just to understand this idea of God choosing people. What does God look for when he chooses a people? Is he looking for their intellect? Is he looking for how wise and how clever they are? Is he looking at their rating in the eyes of their society? Because several of us think like that. And for some people, they never really think God has chosen them until they have a massive followership on the, on the what, what do you call it now? On the social media. 
No. That may be part of it, but actually it is not the beginning of it. When you have an understanding, you will know that it's not your pop- God has not chosen you because of your popularity. He has not chosen you because you are more clever than any other person. He has something in mind. And that will become clear as we spend time together this morning. I don't know why God is so interested in explaining this further to us, but I know it is crucial to the next phase of our lives. Can I quickly tell you, several of us, we stand at very strategic points in our lives. And that's why we can't, we can't really be careless about this time. We are at very strategic points in our lives. Because God wants to advance his purpose for us. So, like I was saying, we stand at a very strategic point in our lives. And the way to move forward is to have an, a crucial understanding. Hallelujah. Amen. And so this morning, let's turn quickly first to 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay. If you are there, yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading from verse 26. For you see, if we are there, verse 26, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, nor many mighty, not many mighty, rather, not many noble are called. If you quick, if you look at that, not according to the flesh, not many wise according to the flesh, according to the rating of men. It doesn't mean you are foolish in the eyes of God, but according to the, to the rating of men, you may not be considered to be very smart. You may not be considered to be comparable to some other people who are considered to be very more intelligent. But unfortunately, God is not looking for for those who are most intelligent in the eyes of men. Your calling is not based on your level of IQ. No. According to the measurement of men. Does God despise smart people? No. But he's not choosing people because of that. That can become a tool in his hand, but his primary reason for choosing is not based on that. Not many mighty, influential, people with capacity to, to, to shape things, to move things, the shakers and movers of the world, as they call them. No. It's not a criteria. 
not, sorry, not many noble. That is your background. It's not about your background. You may be a poor man. You may come from a poor family. It has nothing to do with nobility in terms of your natural background. Hallelujah. I can tell you stories upon stories, but I don't have time to tell to say that today. Or of people who came from nothing. But yet, God's eyes were on them. Amen. Amen. It goes on, verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Those considered stupid and foolish in the eyes of men. Sometimes we are not even talking about your performance in class now. We are talking about you, you, you take certain position and people say, you know, stupid man. We have cheated him or stupid woman. Because they don't understand. But God did that to shame the wise, just be noting this. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The weak things, the seemingly insignificant. So that he can put to shame. He can literally disgrace things that men consider to be mighty. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter your rating of yourself. It doesn't matter what people have said about you. You are the chosen of the Lord. Amen. Let's go on. And verse 28. And the base things that the least things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are. Amen. I can explain each word, but it will take our time. But you just read that, read it from different translations to know what they mean. Brothers and sisters, let me say to you again, God has chosen you for a strategic reason. Amen. A reason bigger than yourself. A reason bigger than your ability. A reason bigger than what you think about yourself or what any other person must have thought about you. Hallelujah. And look at it. Um, what verse am I now to yes to bring to verse 29? That no flesh should glory in his presence. That no one will have a chance of boasting in his presence. 
that no one will have the chance of pumping themselves in, the, in their chest and beating their chest like this. You know, when in the, in the time when we had the football season and uh, some players will score goal and they start pumping their chest like this and pumping their chest like this. I said, well, uh, you can do it because you are in the game of the world. But if you try that in the kingdom, God will show you. It's just a little grace he will take from you. <laughs> and make you to struggle a little bit. So that next time you don't point yourself, you don't thump yourself in the chest like that. That's what God is saying. So that to God will be all the glory for whatever achievement. So that it will not, whatever is achieved cannot actually be attributed to you. That's a strategic reason in the eyes of God. They can't, they can't fully explain it based on you, based on what they thought was your qualification. It's a strategic reason. That's why when Jesus came, he decided to go for the fishermen. They said, this one that couldn't even read. How is it that they are, you know, they are changing our world, they are turning our world upside down? Wherever I saw people were noble, he chose them, Matthew, the tax collector. But if you look at that also, it was a disadvantage for him because he had robbed people. He had robbed people. They are taking bribes like Nigerian police. He was used to it. You know, Mr. Sakios, when Jesus called him, he knew, he knew his story before he even started telling his own story. But he had determined to choose him. It's not about your past. It's about what you do with your present. Is somebody getting the message God is sending across in this season? Because God seems to be emphasizing something because he wants to move somebody forward. He wants to move some people forward. He wants to launch you into something bigger than yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Whilst your hand is still there, turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The 7 says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Hallelujah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in breakable vessels. I'm praying that uh, some of us here will not measure what is inside of us because of God's election of us 
we will not measure it by how we look outwardly in Jesus' name. Amen. Inside of you is bigger than what people can see outside of you. Amen. What is inside of you is bigger than your look. Amen. It's more excellent, more beautiful, far much more glorious than how you are even, people see you outside. Amen. People see you and say you're beautiful. Glory be to God. It's part of God's glory. But even what is inside of you is more beautiful than that. If it can come out, they will even forget how you look outside. They'll be wondering what is inside this one. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So let's go back to that place. It says, but of him, verse 30 now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it's written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You have anything to boast of, can only say, but for God. And I'm praying that with each of us, God will achieve his purpose. And your testimony, when people tell you, how have you done it? Say, it's God. And this is God. This cannot be me. It is God. And that is what God wants to achieve with your life and with my life and with us as a church, as small as we think we are. So that people say, how did you people do it? So, God, no strategy. We don't have any strategy other than God. He has done it. Amen. And that's the kind of people God is looking for. A people who, when he has done what he wanted to do, people will say, how did it happen? And the only explanation would be this can only be God. Amen. Now, I just thought I should stir up our spirit with that. So we are, we are looking now. At I've already made reference to a few things there, but we're now looking, focusing on the purpose, chosen for a purpose. So what is the purpose for which God has chosen us? And like I said, I've mentioned a few things there. And one of them is so that God himself might be glorified. But let's divide it into three aspects. And as we look at, if I'm able to look at one or two people, that'll be fine. Uh, but the purpose of God for our life can be looked at from three different dimensions. And those are the dimensions I want to look at in the next few minutes. So the purpose of God for each and every one of us will fall into these three dimensions. The number one, God has chosen us. And I, and I mean you, and I mean myself. First, for his own glory. So, 
If you want to say chosen for, for the purpose, the first thing in that purpose of God for his glory. I will explain what that means. Two, for our good, for our own good. <laughs> and three, for the good of others. For the benefit of others. Did you get those three dimensions to God's purpose? For any life? Yes. For any group of people? For any nation? God chooses you first for his glory. Secondly, for your own good. And thirdly, for the good of others or for the benefit of others. Amen. Any purpose that does not encompass these three dimensions is either it is not properly understood or it is not from God at all. Are you, you are not getting the point I'm making there, are you? Is somebody getting what I'm talking about there? Yes. Amen. Yes. So the purpose of God has to encompass those three dimensions. God's glory first. The next is your good, my good, and then the good of others. Let's pick it now. If we are not able to finish it today, we may continue another day, because God really wants us to get this. You know, we talked about the man Abraham the last, the last time. So let's start from him again. Let's, let's just pick it from him. And we'll look at these three things in him. And I want you to begin to look at your life strategically in the kingdom plans and purpose of God. How where you fit in as we look at this together. Turn with me quickly back to someone with NIV. If you have NIV, get ready to read for me that same passage we read last week and then link it up with a couple of verses about Abraham as we jump from there. Um, Genesis chapter 18, Genesis 18 to start with. In Genesis 18, verse 19, I guess, anyone with NIV translation can please read that for me. For I have chosen him. For I have so chosen that- him so that he will direct his children. So that, so that he will direct his children. I have chosen him so that that's purpose, isn't it? Purpose is stated. I have chosen him so that that is purpose being stated. Go on. And his household. So he will direct his children and his household. Like we said last week, as soon as God chose Abraham, he was already looking at Abraham He was already looking at his children. He was already looking at members of his household. 
even for generations after him. After him to keep the way of the Lord. To keep after him, after Abraham, to keep the way of the Lord. Yes. By doing what is right and and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Amen. That's where we are stopping. So what he has promised him. Promised him. So God, he said, I've chosen him so that in him I will have his children, I will have his household. He's going to command them to follow the ways of the Lord so that the plan of God that he spoke concerning Abraham will be fulfilled, will be achieved. Because God wants continuity. And that is why, brothers and sisters, let me quickly say this. We cannot... And, and this is this is very clear. We cannot afford to leave our children behind in whatever God wants to do with our lives. We cannot. That's why we must do everything we can to pray for our children, to pray them into the purpose of God. Hallelujah. We cannot be like the church did, even in this nation, where parents will be in church and children will be left at home. And at the end of the day, as those parents are getting old, the churches are getting closed. Because there's no continuity. We will not do that. God has chosen us not just for ourselves, because he has seen our children. He has seen our household. He has seen people. Amen. There is noise in a particular household there, please. If you can click the microphone, that will be fine. Please, there's a distracting noise there. Praise God. So that I want I wanted you to know God chose him because of what he also has in mind for his children, his household, even generations after him. Now let's go now to chapter 10, and I'll begin to look at these three dimensions that we have talked about and where Abraham you know, fits into that. Chapter 12 of Genesis, and I'll read from verse 1. I'll read to verse 3 and then jump to chapter 17. Like I said, it may just be Abraham alone we take because of our time and we pray. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who those, and, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
at least you can immediately see two things there. The first thing is that God chose Abraham. You can see in that place that there's something about God's glory in choosing Abraham. I, I, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. There is something about God's glory there. God went and called a man who was, 70, who was 75 years old, had not, didn't have a child. There is something God wanted to prove there. There is something to the glory of God there. He could have chosen someone else who was younger. When Jesus was going to come, he chose a virgin Mary. A younger person, God can choose a child or an old person. Age is not a barrier here. There is something about God here that he wanted to prove. That there is no age I cannot choose a person. There is no age I cannot call a person. It is never too late for me to do something with a line. That's to the glory of God. Just take Abraham's age alone. That's what God wanted to prove. If Abraham will cooperate with him, God wanted to prove that an old woman can still be used. An old man can still be used. Amen. People said you have passed your age. I know several of us, you know, who have crossed 50. You are wondering, what can still happen with my life? A lot. A lot, 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 lot. For your latter hand will be greater and better than your beginning. Amen. 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 And for young people amongst us, age is not also a limitation. Amen. For the glory of God. Because he wanted to prove a point. I will make your name great. How did Abraham become great? God made him great. That's what God wanted to prove. I can make anyone great. I can take anyone from the gun hill, from the dung hill of the world, and see them among princes. Are you following something this morning? That's the glory God wanted to get in the life of Abraham. When they were barren for 20, even 25 years after that, God came in chapter 18. He said, look, according, you know, according to the time of life, at this season next year, Sarah will conceive and have a child. Even Sarah herself laughed. And when God said, no, Sarah laughed. He said, no, I didn't laugh. She told a lie, but God said, okay, let's ignore her lie. That's not what we are interested in here. We are interested in God's glory here. Then God said, is anything too hard for me to do? Then you then understand why God chose her. Chose her rather. God chose her because he wanted to prove a point. And you can see that point when you go to Romans chapter 4 and began to talk about the purpose of God, you know, the outworking of the things of God in the life of Abraham and Sarah when they are past age. When, you know, everybody thought she could no longer conceive, God proved his power. And in our lives, God wants to take the glory. 
God wants to prove his power. To do things that nobody thought he can do. To achieve things that God, nobody thought can be can happen at that age. That Amen. is what he wants to do. Amen. Amen. You are in the time of your life, regardless of how old you think you are. Amen. 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 I'm old. No, you are not too old for God to use you. Now, for Abraham's own good, because Abraham also did not want to die childless, did he? Abraham wanted something. Abraham wanted a child. Go to chapter 15, verse 1. Abraham lamented it. Abraham said, "Ah, ah, am I going to die? You could see that there was something in the heart of Abraham for Abraham's own good. God wants to satisfy the inner desire of Abraham. God doesn't just choose a man, you know, I remember I was preaching somewhere one day. I said, you know, I didn't, when I first came to this, I didn't know that some words are sensitive. I said, God will, God will use you. He said, hey, so God created people just to, just to use you. I didn't know the word use means something to some people. Because people have used them and dumped them. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? So the word use is even abusive to them. I, I took it from my own understanding. But when I now saw that, okay, they thought God just made you like a toy that I can use and just, all right, that's not what I'm talking about. God wants to partner with you. So I like the word partner with you now because people will understand that one and it is correct also. Can you see that it was for Abraham's good as well to give him, to make him have a child where he thought he would never have any where he thought the servant of his own household will inherit what he had. There was a yearning in his heart. So, for Abraham's good. Another good for Abraham is that I will make your name great. You will never, you will never have heard about anyone called Abraham or Abraham in history. But God said, I'm going to do it in such a way that your name will become great. Your name. God wants to do something with you that will take you out of obscurity and give you a name. Amen. A good name for that matter. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And lastly, as I close here, for the Benefit of others. Is that not clear there? I will bless you and make you a blessing. Amen. And to you, the nations of the earth, families of the earth that you don't even know will be blessed. Amen. For the benefit of others. Amen. The purpose of God for you, if you have found it, are these three elements striking to you. As we continue by the grace of God next week, we'll see how God will help us as we look at other examples as to what God will do with a life, what God will do with a man or a woman. What I want to say to you again, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you belong to a chosen generation. Amen. Amen.